I was already kind of in my head trying to find a way to be in the industry without being a professional mm-hmm. shit shoveler or you know the yeah. poor the poor trainer and rider that it's just it's a hard life so yeah. I kind of you know I graduated from McGill my dad said find a way to do it in the horses without you know selling your soul there is a depth and a breadth to our lives that largely goes unexplored As an equestrian life mindset coach and host of this podcast, I am here to lead you on that exploration. Deep conversations covering topics in and out of the show ring with industry leaders and unsung heroes alike, sharing their stories and what makes their journey unique, but relatable at the same time. We all have stories to share and lessons to trade, something we've learned from a horse or from each other. So relax and be ready to listen with more than just your ears. I'm Tracy Mitchell. Welcome to Hitting Your Stride. Well, hello, everyone. A big thank you to all of you loyal listeners and an even bigger welcome to anyone just joining us here for the first time on Hitting Your Stride. I am thrilled to have you join us today. Now, let's get started with today's conversation. I am sure that most people who know today's guest would describe this woman as iconic. She has vision. She knows what riders want and need in order to look and feel like the successes that they all strive to be and achieve. I have with me today the founder and owner of Blueberry Hill, Artie Hasty. Blueberry Hill is the high-end boutique equestrian tax shop with a vision to bring convenience and class to equestrian style, and both Artie and her shop have a very loyal following throughout North America. Amongst her very busy schedule with the day-to-day workings of her business, Artie makes the time to get into the hunter ring with her very handsome horse, Party Favor, showing us all that it is possible to have big entrepreneurial dreams and still make our own personal goals a reality. Welcome, Artie. Hey, Tracy, how are you? It's a pleasure to be here. I am great, and it is a pleasure to have you here. (laughs) So fun. This is like a party on camera. Yeah, exactly. It's a whole thing for me, I'm not going to lie. You're actually my first Zoom person, if that's crazy enough. I've never done a Zoom thing before, so I'm I'm honored. And, you know, it it took us a while to get here, right? Right, right. (laughs) Right. I thought we were all going to need a nap or a drink before we got online, but that's okay. It's okay. That's oh, actually the life of an amateur at the show ring. So this is, it's, it's making it. Yes. Here we go. And I have to tell you that when I was thinking about doing this podcast just about a year ago, putting together the ideas of like, can I, should I, yeah. um, you were at the top of my hit list. Oh my reason. gosh. Yes. Well, it just took us a while to, to get going on got it. it. Well, you know what? It's actually so cool that we get to do this now because I just had that really cool article in Sidelines Magazine. So this is a great kind of add on to it. And what's really cool is this kind of caps off the end of our 10th year anniversary. So we're kind of ending it with you with a bang. And um, I thought that was really great. And as you are also one of our um, 
wholesalers in our store and we do sell your product. It's been a pleasure working with you guys. And I was only more than excited to try something new and do your podcast. Oh, well, thank you. And yeah, I was very happy to see that great article on you. And, you know, like you said, we are very grateful to have our Stone Path product in your store. Yeah. Oh, and it's great. We've learned so much from you about, you know, doing customizing stuff and working with clients because I mean, that's your forte. So I'm not going to lie. I'm learning as I go too. And like every day you learn a different thing and, uh, uh, but it's totally worth it. And it's great to work with a Canadian product and yeah. We awesome. can't do enough of that. So. Awesome. All Anywho, right. I could talk all day. So you just tell <laughs> me what to do. All right. So let's get this first question in here. Okay. Cool. So for those who know you, you're a woman of yeah. many talents, both in the ring and running your store. For yeah. those who don't know, what links the two parts of who you are and what sets them apart? Well, um, I am definitely my own definition. Artie is definitely probably a separate thing of its own. Um, I was always, you know, an amateur with goals that wanted to do stuff in the horses. And I knew that being a professional really kind of wasn't realistic or maybe the lifestyle or possibilities that I wanted. So I kind of, was trying to find ways to be a part of the horse industry without being a rider or a professional, which a lot of people focus mainly on. I was a groom for very um, many years for a bunch of different awesome professionals and learned stuff. So, you know, I was able to use my hands-on with the horses, the business and the people and incorporate it actually with the Blueberry Hill tack shop. So it was kind of fun. That was kind of how it began and it was this little thing that I kind of grew and here we are yeah going with it so yeah it's kind of a way to I guess uh I have a really special opportunity to do something that I love and be able to be in the industry that I really wanted to be in oh that's you awesome know? and I, yeah. I think we'll touch on this a little more yeah. in into our conversation but so basically you've had these previous experiences that have kind of led you to this knowing of what yeah. you wanted to do. Yes. I mean, uh, I first, I mean, I went to McGill as a phys ed and health kinesiology teacher. I thought that would like complement the riding and the teaching because I was in it. But then, um, as I was doing those things, I picked up Ogilvy and I started to sell. So it opened up other doors. And then as I did this, it kind of just fell into my lap when I was 27 of, you know, maybe this is what I need to do. And it just grew from there. Wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, cool. I love the beginning stories. I love finding out where these cool ideas and where these little passions start and then you know 10 years later like you said look where you're at it's awesome yeah and I've always been a little bit of an entrepreneurial you know I was a kid that went and swam in the ponds at the golf courses and sold the golf balls back to the golfers so like you know I was like let's do this you know I didn't I was like no lemonade stands it's all about you know let's make it happen so oh my goodness I never knew <laughs> that that's awesome that little tidbit of arty life yeah Oh, that's great. So one of the things that, well, it's your tagline. Everybody knows this, only the best, right? Yeah. So where does only the best come from? Was it something that grew in you as a rider or did it happen after that? Uh, I would say it 
happened more after that. The motto of like only the best in my mind was the products in which I carry in my store to me are some of the best products where it did link with my horses and my riding is that these were products that I already used or began to use and love it. Um, and the idea of only the best, uh, if I related it before to my riding, I mean, I always wanted to excel and I was really hard on myself. So um, as a person with a lot of goals and demands and standards, you know, I only try to do the best. And so to me, these are the items where I stand behind and use and believe in them. So, yeah. Okay. So then yeah. obviously you have a sense of, of trust that these are great items to put in your store that, yes. that, you, that you feel like you're providing a good guide for your customers that they Correct. can rely on these. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. A lot of these products I know inside and out. I either work very closely with the suppliers that are designing the things, um, making suggestions uh, so that we can really improve the product to be helpful for the entire industry. You know, it's always important to try and find new and, uh, you know, good quality things. So when you find them and then it's a way to elaborate and build from those. Mm -hmm. I just want to step back a little bit because when you're yeah. describing only the best and yeah. you brought out how you can be hard on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> what was in the beginning or like in the first few developing years, because I know it takes three to five years to build a good business right? Yeah. Yep. Where were you on that spectrum of being hard on yourself? Like, what was that like for you? I mean, obviously you pushed through and you made it succeed. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the part of like only the best and like perseverance is, you know, belief and keep going. Um, you know, I was really fortunate. It really, Blueberry Hill really materialized, um, quite, uh, naturally, uh, I went, you know, traveling, working for Ogilvy Equestrian. I got approached by a lot of other companies. I had already been riding in the industry for quite some time, like the only the best. I mean, I really wanted to try and be the best I could, you know, uh, I did hunters, I did some equitation jumpers. So, um, yeah, I just, I'm always that person that needs to go to the next level. I need to, you know, okay, I established this, I'm goal oriented and it's like, eye on the prize, let's do it, yeah. you know? So that's kind of that opening to only the best is like, just go get it. Awesome. Yeah. I, I've had a few podcast interviews with some entrepreneurial people and it yes. is that it's a common theme. Like, I think my, my last guest referred to entrepreneurs as lions. <laughs> right. And, and like, I'm not going to lie. Like at first I start this thing and I'm like, oh my God, are people going to even like me? Are they going to even, you know, and at first um, it, it became word, word of mouth and, you know, people already knew me in the industry as a rider, a groom, you know, the funny girl that's always arty. So, you know, whether I'm, you know, giggling on the side of the, you know, warm-up ring or telling a crazy story in my store, they still get the real arty. Yes. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, and I, I was trying to figure out when in, when in our conversation I would bring this up, but do you remember yeah. the first time we met? 
was it at the Royal? And it I was, was like, hot mess Sally. <laughs> <laughs> it was at the Royal. And this is yeah. where Matt and I were coming to meet you to show you in person yes. our Stone Path products. Now, the part yeah. that was hilarious is that <laughs> obviously, obviously the Royal can get, you know, delayed and times are Damn. delayed and all that kind of stuff. But it was yeah. so funny because once we met you, you could not yeah. walk down an aisle with <laughs> 50 people stopping you and go, Artie, it is, is that order in yet? Artie, I need your yeah. advice on this. And we're like, whoa, who is this woman? Everybody knows you. Everybody <laughs> is looking for your advice. It was for all the right or wrong reasons, but like, Hey, it's always a good time. But yeah, yeah. no, it's a bit crazy. Sometimes I feel like I get kind of like, ah, ah, deer in headlights thrown in different directions, try to answer questions. I'm like, what's my name? Okay. Yeah. Blue saddle pad moving on. Um, it's great. It's kind of fun. The being who I am once people saw the products and the customer service and really what I could offer. Uh, I think it really opened up even more avenues. And like you said, it was, uh, uh, it's yeah. a lot of you know, craziness. Yeah. And, <laughs> what was, and what was awesome is like, I'd heard so much about your boutique and okay. you know, how great you were at customizing. And I'm like, I got to admit, Matt and I were like going into this a little intimidated. We're like, I don't know. It felt like a job interview, but then oh, once God. we met you, we're like, it's not oh. a job interview. It's like a party, right? <laughs> this girl is awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, it's always a party with Artie. <laughs> That's right. And it was just, it's been, like I said before, it's been so great working with you. I mean, we're, we were new at that point. Oh, you just God. sort of guided us and along. It was through Stephanie from Dilla Kerr, who yes. I carry also her bonnets. Yes. And actually a little tidbit, I was Stephanie's first retailer ever when they opened up at the Royal um, many years ago. So it's kind of cool. It, and that's exactly how my business has grown, has been other suppliers or people that know me or have seen me. And they're like, hey, my friend is starting this product. I think you would be awesome for them. I think that your product would fit right in. And that's how it happened just with you and many others. So that's, yeah, yeah it's full that's circle. Awesome. That's great. <laughs> Those fun starting stories. Right. <laughs> Oh God, there's so many. It's not always so glamorous. I can tell you that much. Yeah, that is for sure. <laughs> so going back to your Ogilvy connection, yes. what was yes. it that made you decide to transition from working for brands like Ogilvy to opening Blueberry Hill and selling them instead? Okay, so the Ogilvy thing started really randomly. I was, again, a young rider wanting to go to the States. I approached Jack Ogilvy and said, hey, I love your product can't afford it, really want to use it, I can sell down in Ocala, Florida. And this was 12 years before I started Blueberry Hill. And Jack was kind of like, okay, I don't know who you are, but you seem pretty cool. You know, he gave me some saddle pads, some half pads, some friction-free pads. And I was basically the first person to bring his product to the U.S. And I was using it while riding the horses that I was riding and, uh, I was uh, working at the time for Gail Thompson at uh, Galloping Field, and I introduced this product to a bunch of the U.S. customers. And in a year of just being in the States, riding and meeting people, I sold, I think it was over 17,000 out of the trunk of my car. And so I came back to Canada because I was, you know, got to go back to Canada and do my thing. And he was like, who is this kid? 
And um, another person at the time wanted me to start a tack shop. So I kind of brought in the Ogilvy with, uh, with the jackets. From there, I traveled for Ogilvy and they flew me to the Spruce Meadows Masters. And that's where it really started. Um, the Masters actually, were, they sent me there to set up the store, the booth. And as I was working the floor, meeting the customers, doing the sales, I had a lot of other, I guess, wholesalers watching me. And, you know, like you said, uh, I'm fortunate enough that the crowd comes to me so they could see how my dynamics and working the floor with people and just interaction and stuff. And, you know, so I had a lot of people come up to me with that. Um, so that opened up more, um, more openings. And then the next thing I did the same year for Ogilvy, uh, I went to the World Equestrian Games in Kentucky and sold for them. I was there when you know the ride off you know with mm -hmm. philip lejeune winning and stuff and that was a huge thing because he was actually using our ogilvy half pad and that was a huge uh basically milestone for ogilvy and being someone that was kind of there at the beginning with them as their own business it kind of really built a great relationship for my store and more yeah. so it was really cool so through that those things I was able to find different and I kind of went to my dad and went, okay, look, like I have all these people want me to be a sales rep instead of being torn in 20 different directions. How about we put it all in one and I do something with them all. Nice. Yeah. I, I love that story of how you approached yeah. Jack Ogle. Yeah. That's yeah you can even ask him because it's just that I was like, uh, how old was I? I was 25 years old and I went up oh. to him and I was like, hi. I'm jumping the meter thirties and forties with my horse. I'm going to go show in Florida. I like your stuff. And this is when I was, you know, still riding pretty intensely jumping the bigger jumpers. Like, mm -hmm. I don't even know how I did that before, but yeah, once upon a time already did jumpers and was trying to do all that. But, um, I was already kind of in my head trying to find a way to be in the industry without being a professional mm -hmm. shit shoveler or you know the yeah. poor the poor trainer and rider that it's just it's a hard life so yeah. I kind of you know I graduated from McGill my dad said find a way to do it in the horses without you know selling your soul yeah <laughs> so I did it in a different way let's nice. go read yeah. yeah well and it's funny in a lot of conversations I've had on my podcast with yeah. leaders right with with other leaders the the general consensus is is that if you want to achieve something and you have a goal and you're setting your sights on something, you have to ask, right? Yeah. It, you have to be able to go up to someone and ask, can you give me a shot? You have to put yourself out on the line. It's not yeah. only just believing in yourself and executing a plan. It's uh, really, I mean, like literally hanging yourself out there and being like, okay and it's and like you said you felt like it was a job interview when you were coming to me and like oh I hope that not doesn't have to be that way but it's it's that kind of thing for me when I'm you know out in front and I'm like hey I'm already hasty and now after the years you know they come and find me so that's really cool yeah. um but yeah sometimes you're just like I'm hanging myself here out on a line that's and let's right. see who's gonna like see my vision and feel what I feel and want to go get it with me 
you know? Love that. That's awesome. Good for you. (laughs) Well, sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes I'm like, holy moly, I'm still here. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, okay. So let's get down to the, to what goes on in that awesome trailer of yours okay in the big store yeah it's a fun dress-up party (laughs) (laughs) so how does it feel to you when you have riders coming into your store confident in being dressed for success with something that will make them feel like they've invested in themselves um it's really cool when people are coming in my store and they're like yeah hook me up, girl. I want to feel sexy. I want to feel good. And I'm like, yeah. And over time, you know, people have seen, you know, the creations and the outfits that other people have come into. And, you know, I have had, you know, uh, let's be honest, uh, this riding apparel is probably the most unflattering thing we could have picked besides going in a bathing suit on a horse. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, gosh. Um, So I think it's really important to make everyone feel comfortable. Um, feel like all shapes and sizes can go. I'm for sure and never have been the typical body type. You know, that was actually one of the things that was put in front of me as a a up and coming professional. They're like, you know, you ride great. The horses love you, but you're not the ideal image and look. So you're going to be the second or third choice. And, you know, that was a professional, a Canadian that I really look up to and he was right. And what he said in the way of the way the industry was. So that kind of made me turn it in a different way with, you know, my store and the clothing that, you know, all body types can ride. Okay. Whether it's professional or not, I want my customers to come in, not feel judged, not be, you know, feeling uncomfortable. Like I got boobs and butts for days it's Mm -hmm. all like in my store like if it doesn't fit me it's not going to probably come in and there are other girls that are you know much taller broader bigger than me so it's the importance to give everybody a good feel I want people to feel like they're understood in my store I want to find things that really get clients to feel unique and special everyone's wearing the same beige pants, everyone's wearing a helmet, but if we can do different things to make them feel good about themselves, you know, and, and it's, it's a funny saying that I've come up with in the last year. If you feel sexy, ride sexy, but like, it's a thing. Cause like, if you're not feeling good on your horse, you're going to be like all hunched forward and blah, you know, if you feel good, you're like, yeah, look at me, my pony. I look good. You know, it's like going to a job interview. If you look like a slob, it shows uh, maybe an impression that isn't really truly who you are, mm-hmm. but at least, you know, in the show ring, you can do that. And um, I, I've been really fortunate. I've somehow, I can't explain it the way my brain works. I'm very good at remembering clients and what they've purchased in the past. So I've become, you know, very invested in my clients and, you know, no, them kind of inside and out. I've had people come to me and, you know, cry on my shoulder or, you know, other people have come and, you know, thank me because, you know, their daughter hated going shopping for any clothes. And then just the idea of shopping for riding clothes, if you don't feel great about your body, and this is supposed to be your hobby and the sport you love, you know, I've, I've felt those years and days and, you know, 
ridicule and judging. And so it's like, that ain't happening at Blueberry Hill. And, you know, the song, I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill. Like I want people to come and have a great time. And it's making them feel good inside and out that makes them come back for more. And that's why Blueberry Hills lasted however long it has, because, you know, people, you know, they feel results, they feel special, they look good and they come back because they, they have a great time. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. This is a, this is our expensive <clears throat> golf game. Like I said, we're very privileged. We're riding our ponies. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, it should be a fun for all. Well, and that is such a statement. I mean, when, when it's described as only the best and boutique, you know, and plus, yes, I mean, everybody can say that there's a certain, you know, image that's associated with equestrian riders, yeah. whether it be hunter jumper, dressage, there's a certain image. And, and you know nothing, what? Nothing that's more intimidating. Pardon? Yes. That that can be in any sport. I'm not saying yes. it's riding their, uh, you know, ballet, they're very structured. Oh, yes. Sport. You know, yeah. I get that. But you know, it's in my job is to try and make people feel good about yeah. themselves. Well, you know? and that that is that is exactly what you do. And it's that's what I keep saying it's very inspiring because you know I, I've been in there you know a few times and I've just when we've been at a show watching yeah. watching you in action and you do you remember you know everybody's name approaching your trailer you saying oh yeah I got that product for you you got that last year here's the follow-up yeah. what if I'm not always good with the name sometimes I'm like it starts with an A or whatever so then it's like <laughs> kiddo and hey mom how you doing but like it's a family of Blueberry Hill you know yes. and I see these kids that start you know, ankle biters. And now they're like 18 and look like, you know, they're going to be going out at night. And I'm like, Oh my God, you're no longer in pony bows. Yeah. When did you grow up? Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, okay. Here's a quote. Yes. Our favorite part of what we do is we find innovative, fashionable and customizable products. That's part of a quote from you. What makes customization so important in your line of work? Um, well, circle back right to a job interview. Um, I, my goal with Blueberry Hill is to work with young upcoming professionals, um, older, young, actually the writing has no age, you know, limit as we all know. Uh, but you know, starting off barns and new trainers, it's all about representation marketing. So if I can get a hold of, you know, these people that are starting barns, I can supply horse clothing, I can do the drapes, the tack trunks, saddle pads, bonnets, all of these things I can then do in, you know, how we have barn colors. So it's all of a marketing scheme and a way to represent basically, you know, if you're doing horse clothing for the scrims and coolers walking down to the ring, you know, uh, that's a billboard on four legs, represent yourself again, show, you know, it's, uh, you know, you got to believe in yourself and half the other battles to look part of the part. And the second part is hope you, your, your stars align that day and your hard work pulls off and whatever. And if you hit the dirt and eat shit, which we all kind of do, you know, <laughs> at least you look good doing it. And it's the same thing for professionals and, you know, unique um, individuality. So I try and help people with barn colors. I try and help people with their logos, their designs. Um, you know, and just find different ways for them to feel like 
they're really expressing themselves, their business, their own motto in the products that I can offer them. Wow. Yeah. And, and you're very customizable with your clothing too, aren't you? Like boots and dog collars and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I, I definitely like uh, the Tucci boots, the helmets for Sam Shield, um, both have customizable options. Same thing with Ogilvy. Um, I have a lot of stock in the shirts and jackets. I don't have so much customizable for that. I have more barn apparel, like toques, the, you know, baseball hats, the vests, all that stuff we can do, team apparel. Um, I actually did one time for um, Pan Am Games when they were at um, Caledon um, for the Argentinian team. I did all of their polos and a bunch of their baseball hats and stuff. So that was really fun. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So it's just little things like that. And actually I was the one that also facilitated and got together the first set of Ogilvy pads to go on the Canadian equestrian team. So that was really cool when we got that. Cause there are certain, you know, regulations and stipulations of the FEI saddle pads and what is allowed to be on it and whatnot. Okay. Um, so that was really cool. Wow. Um, I've kind of dabbled in a little bit of everything throughout yeah. stuff like that. It's kind of fun to be a part of it and be behind the scenes. Well, and, and you've established for yourself a real niche of being known for being really good at dealing with custom products. Yeah, I think because of that like weirdo memory part of me, I can kind of compartmentalize, think of stuff and whatever. Sometimes it's like, oh my God, I got to write this down before I forget my name. Um, (laughs) But I I get a good jive. And I think because people enjoy the whole experience and they feel like they've really made the right decision and they're, they're creating and ordering something that they really want. You know, it's, yes, you need certain things in the industry and everyone has, and it's a cookie cutter shape, but you know, let's color it uh, between the lines in a really cool way instead of just going, you know, traditional. Nice. All the time. Yeah. You got to keep things interesting. Keep it fun. Keep it fresh. Yeah, exactly. All right. So thinking back to when you got on your first horse, did you dream of being a professional rider and what changed that helped you opt for taking a different road to the same destination? So a profession within the horse industry. Okay. Yeah. Actually, to be honest, when I first started riding horses, I was five, four, five, like taking lessons and it wasn't hunter jumper. And I just wanted like my whole goal in life was to go to a horse show and to show. And like I went to Bromont International when I was like six years old and saw like the hunter jumpers. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is all I want to do. I want to be one of these girls showing their horses, but I had never even done hunter jumper. Like I started in, um, saddle seat and I learned how to do some Western and drive. And then I went from that to eventing to dressage. Then I had a hunter. So, um, the idea of the professional rider actually only came later on. Hmm. It came on only, I would say, uh, you know, I went to the Royal when I was uh, 21 in the CET, so that was 2004. So around there, I would say 2006 and on, that's when I really thought I wanted to go more professional. And I did for a bit and it was fun and I loved teaching. And that was the whole thing with McGill that really helped. Um, 
but I then, you know, like we said, uh, the industry is not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, and I found, I wanted to enjoy my hobby and doing it as a full-time job, you know, if you had your own horse, well, guess what? That's the last one at the end of the day to do. And that's fair and that's cool. But at the end, I was like, uh, I've worked my tail off all day. Like I, you know, you're sacrificing your own horse. So, you know, you do that for some time and you see how the industry works. And I was like, you know what? I would really like to be able to afford doing this, you know, be a rich, a rich fat amateur that can do whatever she wants than a skinny suicidal, like very poor, you know, professional that is working so hard and it's a hard business. Life is not easy. And I just think it's really important to enjoy the horse and the animal. And to do that was to do a different job. So I was like, how do I get to go to all the horse shows and still make a living, you know? And so it was this tax shop that really kind of got you know, at the beginning, I had to go to all the shows. I was at all the different events and through Quebec, Ontario, Ottawa, even gone to Halifax, you know. Um, so it, it was really fun because I got to be on the circuit at all times. And, you know, because I was already at the show, well, I had a horse on the road with me. So sometimes I got to show and then other times it was just like me in the store. Um, and so that continued on for many, many years until COVID hit. And then that really kind of changed things and opened up different avenues. It's interesting about that, isn't it? How how did COVID affect your business? Well, it affected me in the sense that it really showed me that I didn't need to be front row, center in your face at all times. And I didn't need to be at a horse show every day to make a sale. It really showed that over time, the eight years of hustling and bustling, you know, I had created a good customer base, a loyal fan club or cool relationships. And, you know, these people were still looking for me or wanting me, even though I wasn't right there. And I think in the horse industry, you're as as cool and alive as you are present. So if you're not in the front rows, reminding people, you know, you kind of get lost in the shuffle. So try to always have something new, something fresh, be unique. You know, um, I'm not exactly like the the cookie cutter shape, but it it's it works well. It goes yeah. well. What would you? What kind of advice would you, because you know with your story that you just shared with us that you know being a professional for that period yeah. of time in your life? Yeah. What, what kind of advice would you give to those young? women and men out there who are trying to start up as professionals and building themselves a clientele. Was there anything that you could share with them? Yes. Uh, something that after being in the retail industry and dealing with professionals, clients, amateurs, I think we really need to, and I mean, this is something that I talked to, you know, my, my, biggest mentor person to look up to is Kim Curtin. We're not, we are losing a lack of horsemanship and sport. And I think we really need to rewrite the definition of a professional. And a professional is not someone that just wears white breeches and does the Grand Prix. A professional is not one that has to be champion in the hunters or, you know, doing this. It's the whole package. It's talking to people, you know, dealing with customers, representation, you know, you have riders that are, you know, saying, oh, I want to be sponsored. I want to be this. Well, 
okay, well, you, it's, it's a give and take, you know, we're giving you free stuff. So you need to bring us, you know, your clients and people that you are working with so that it's a give and take, you know, uh, sometimes I think there's a lot of hats that a professional needs to wear. And I don't think all young people or even old, there are some professionals of all ages that might need to brush up on some things or, you know, look at things in a different way. Everyone, I, I don't think you're ever not able to learn something new every day. And so I think, you know, I think that's where the professionals need to just be a bit aware that it's many hats and I'm not saying it's easy um, because one day you're dealing with a client that, you know, I don't know, was going through a rough divorce and she shows up and she wants to ride her horse, but is like an emotional wreck and she wants to show and you're like, this is not going to go well today. Like maybe we should redo this or, you know, you're dealing with a horse that's maybe struggling with its client or, you know, it's just not able to, you know, do the job that day. There's a lot of juggling mm -hmm. um, and a lot of dealing with four-legged animals, two-legged animals, <laughs> and it, it's overwhelming. Yeah. You know? I think, I think there's a, a good term for what you're talking about. There's sometimes critical thinking is required. Yes. I, right? yes. Critical thinking. And, um, you know, uh, the other thing I wanted to say as a side note for up and coming riders is don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, uh, I hate to be like my parents were right, but, you know, finish your education, do those things, you know, uh, if you can, you know, try and do some other stuff in the work field so that, you know, you have all these kids that are like, oh, I just want to ride horses. Well, that's not a business. And that's not, you know, a thing. You got to do a lot of the other stuff. You got to learn how to care for the horse. You got to, you know, you're not just going to show up and hop on your horse because you said you're a professional. Mm -hmm. A lot of these kids got to start shoveling their own stalls and doing their own grooming and whatnot. And it, it, it's, it ain't easy. Um, so yeah, just kind of still live life and learn as you're still trying to get your goals. Yeah. And you can always change your direction. You can always modify your goal. And that's exactly what I did. My goal is I wanted to be at the horse shows. It was, that was my first goal ever. I want to be a girl at the horse shows, not to be a pro, not to be anything. I just want to be there. So I was mm -hmm. like, okay, how do I get to the horse shows every day? Every day. I have a tack shop at a horse show. They have to come see me. This is <laughs> awesome. And hope to God that they want to come see you. But you know yeah. what I mean? It was like, how do I do this? And yeah, that's kind of well, how it went. And it's in those moments where you have to think critically about whatever situation you're in that, you know, whether you are a rider or a barn owner or a, a business owner in the industry, you have to be able to pivot, right? So yes. if, if, if situation A happens and you're like, all right, this has got to change, you need to figure out how to get yourself into situation B and move forward right. with that. You got to think on your feet, yeah. uh, think swiftly. Um, and yeah, no, it's not always easy, uh, to, to do that, but you're right. Pivoting and changing direction and to know that changing your plan or modifying it is not a failure. It's a growth. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, and sometimes I think there's a part of reality where people have to realize all the entailments of it and just how many balls you need to juggle and so, you know, getting, it's kind of an eye, eyes, eyes wide open. You're going in there and you're like, oh, okay, this is what it's all about. Yeah. Um, 
finding your niche, I want to say, is probably one of the best, most successful things I did. You know, I found a niche that I really excelled at. And through that, it became like a real thing. It became a staple. It became a brand name. So, you know, that's, that's a big thing, finding what you're good at, you know, and, and, you know, there's some, there's some writers that like, they just want to be writers. And you're like, you know, you better learn how to teach or Mm -hmm. do some other stuff. And, you know, it's a give and take on all that stuff. I knew I wasn't going to be the best writer in the world. I didn't want to be either, but I knew that this was going to be a limiting thing and a stressful way. So Mm -hmm. I kind of modified it. And now I get to go show in the sun in the winter times with my ponies and life is good. I cannot complain. Yeah. It's all about evolving. Yeah. Correct. Awesome. Okay. So you spend so much time helping people invest (laughs) in themselves, but how do you turn that inward and find a way to invest in yourself? Well, I have to say that is a great question and it's something that I am still working on because when you get that involved and invested in your business and your clients, sometimes that's all you got. You know, I, I found myself at the end of the day just kind of being like, Oof, okay, I did it. What did I remember? Who did I talk to? What do they want? And you kind of forget about yourself. And you know, that, that does happen like first three to five years. Um, me, especially the first, you know, I was fortunate things went well right off the bat, but the first three years, you really dedicate your life and soul to it. And then once you do that, you then have to learn how to balance. It's a balance act of, you know, uh, and that's where COVID came into. It showed me that there's a sort of a lifestyle, a healthier version, a way to do stuff without tearing myself into six different directions. Um, So that's kind of how I needed to kind of compartmentalize my time, you know, feeling like I can put my phone down, you know, the, the whole technology with a phone is awesome because I can do my business wherever with my phone. But at the same time, you know, I have clients that text me at 1230 at night ordering saddle pads and like, that's awesome. I'm not going to lie. Like if these people are thinking about me at 12 o'clock at night, gee, thanks. I'm really like touched. So that's cool. It means I'm still around. Um, But you know, it's the know that you cannot, you don't have to always answer right that minute. But at first you do because there's 20 other tax shops and there's, you know, people don't care. They just want the product now, immediate satisfaction, da, da, da. So you build these relationships with people and then it becomes more like that. Mm -hmm. But to, to answer your question, what do I do for arty time? I love fishing. I always have since I was a kid and I love deep sea fishing. So that is something that I picked up about six years ago, maybe five years ago in Ocala, Florida. I went with my friend, Tammy, and we went deep sea fishing in Clearwater and I love it. And it's a great way. A, there's no phone reception. So you are forced to just let it go. Nice. It's Monday. I'm in the middle of deep sea fishing. I'm going to do something fun stuff and just chill out. But then the other thing was I needed to, you know, I was always on the road, always at a horse show, movement, movement, movement. I wasn't good at sitting still. And well, COVID definitely taught you how to do that. And it taught you how to appreciate it. And, uh, 
you know, now it, and you know, uh, I, my therapist in the past, it was always, cause I'm such a goal oriented person. It was like, well, I did this, I've accomplished that. What next? And she's like, why don't you just stop and smell the roses? Why are you punishing yourself for accomplishing one of your goals so early in life? And now you need to do more. Like, that's great. The reason why you're so um, successful is because you're goal oriented. You have you know, an idea and you go get it. That's awesome. But it's to stop and smell the roses and to enjoy the process in the moment, you yeah. know? It's all right. Yeah. It, I was just going to say like, you know, when you were talking about the balance, a, a previous guest, <laughs> we talked about this and she actually put it into, I not, sorry, talking about whether or not we can truly find a balance, but whether or not it's more about a momentum in a certain season of your life. So yeah. like, I know when I'm massaging horses, the season of May to September mm -hmm. is crazy. Yes. Um, so it, the season of November through to February or March is, is yeah. a little bit more laid back and, and it allows me to do a bit more of a focus on the life coaching and doing, yeah. you know, and doing all that kind of stuff, which I'm absolutely yeah. loving. But yeah, it's a really, it can be super challenging. And, mm -hmm. and when it's in your nature to be such a go-getter and to want to achieve the next goal and then set yourself something else that's going to grow you right because yeah. all of these experiences continue to grow us but yes. at the same point in time it's like yes I've had to have conversations with myself it's like Mitchell sit down yeah put your phone yeah. away read yeah. a book like even yeah. if it's on even if it's on yeah. business I don't care at least I'm yeah. still I'm learning but I'm having some time to Tracy Yes, exactly. And that was definitely something as a business owner, everyone needs to learn is when to find time for yourself. Um, because everyone's like, oh, you're so lucky. You get to make your own hours. You're flexible. And it's like, yeah, but I'm almost on call 24 seven because, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, the only person to blame is myself. So if I don't, it, you get what you put into it. If you put a lot of effort into it. Usually it pays off and, you know, it might take some time but it usually does work out. So the other thing that I do, which really is my number one piece in unison is my farm in Ocala, Florida. Uh, I was very fortunate eight years ago, this January, we actually purchased a farm in Ocala, Florida. And that's where I keep all my horses down there full-time now um, for the last two years. Um, and that's, that's really my peace and serenity, my farm, I tinker around, I play with my minis, I have a miniature rescue donkey as well. I've got cherry a couple, you know, other animals, uh, we actually just purchased two, uh, two new uh, toys to play with new horses this uh, winter. Yeah. Um, so that'll be some fun things. So, you know, that's for me, it's to go to go home in Ocala and just kind of play on the farm. Nice. See my animals that, you know, uh, that found my serenity in my own farm is really the, so the key. When, when you're in that serenity and you're on that farm, is that where you're able to truly rest? Yes. Good. Well, yes, emotionally and mentally, okay. physically, not all the time because there's always projects on the farm and stuff, but it's, you know, what's, it's easy when you're working for yourself and it's your own business. Cause it's always rewarding for you. Yeah. So again, the, 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 the farm is the same thing. It's a different reward basis because it's the farm growing, getting better improvements, expanding. Um, but it's something personal too. So, yeah. Yeah. It's an investment in yourself via totally. 
another direction, but yeah. Totally. Exactly. And that direction is kind of, you know, uh, um, the next step, you know, is the, I want to focus more on the farm and do that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Artie, what's at the top of Blueberry Hill for Artie Hasty? Actually, just that last statement, I think, you know, the tax shop is going amazing. You know, I cannot, you know, thank that enough. Um, But with that, I kind of want to focus my thing on, uh, you know, having a horse or two that, you know, might be a great investment resale kind of thing. I, I enjoy, I've always worked with young horses, you know, Kelso, I got as a five-year-old, um, my first hunter that I showed in 2001 at the Royal, I got as a two-year-old, he went to the Royal as a six-year-old. So, um, I think it's going to be focusing a little bit more on the horse aspect of stuff, um, which I really liked and missed, um, as a professional, uh, for the short time that I did do it, uh, I enjoyed selling horses and, you know, I'm an amateur. So, uh, if I can have fun on a horse, um, maybe someone else can enjoy it the same horse. So yeah, we're going to look into that. I have a great girl. Her name's Abby Strohmeyer. She is not only a very close friend, uh, sister, but now my, uh, my business partner for Blueberry Hill Stables. And she helped me all last winter with Kelso and we had a great time. And so this year we were looking forward to bringing up Cherry's young horse, young full Floyd, who's now four. Unfortunately, due to some injury he had many years ago as a yearling, he's unable to go in the show ring. So we wanted to kind of get a couple more things get going. So I think I would say what's at the top, stay tuned for more Blueberry Hill Stables. Um, Great announcements. And then always more Thirsty Thursday, BH bashes. Last year, we had a huge party uh, to celebrate our 10 year anniversary. Um, Yes, I was fortunate enough to be in Florida. So yes, I, I definitely uh, was in the land of the free to do the party, uh, yeah. which was very successful and very fun. Um, we, you know, um, we had a lot of good feedback and I have a lot of people actually asking me this year if I'm going to do one. And okay. I'm thinking that maybe that might be a new fun avenue and a different thing to take. You know, I'm not going to be going to all the horse shows like I used to. We, which I started off years ago when I first started the business, but doing barn parties, mm-hmm. doing wine and cheeses, some clinics. I will still go to some of the horse shows at the beginning of circuit and at the end. Um, but I do a lot of one-on-one shopping now, shopping upon appointments. So the whole boutique thing, you know, clients really get that one-on-one attention with me, which is what they all want. And it's hard mm-hmm. It's hard when you're being torn in different directions, you know, at the Royal, I mean, people laugh because like I'm on the floor rolling around, putting a boot up here, 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 you know, <laughs> throwing a helmet on, you know, this, this and that. So this way they get kind of like an hour with Artie. And I mean, we can talk about anything and everything. And that's you know, a good marketing tool right there. An hour with Artie. Yeah. <laughs> they might need to hydrate or take a nap <laughs> before or after, but yes, it's always fun. But um, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at with stuff and maybe you know do an annual party uh for blueberry hill just to get people excited and just kind of bring um a camaraderie i guess you would say i mean it's not always 
easy in the horse world, but hey, if they can always look forward to one party every year, why not? And yep. it kind of goes with, you know, Party Artie and Mr. Kelso and the whole nine yards. Nice. Well, the listeners of Hitting Your Stride know full well at this point in time that one of my goals or my visions of this podcast is where I bring on numerous different people from different areas within the industry trying to trying to bring on a community trying to develop a community and sort of have people understand that you know Artie of Blueberry Hill is dealing with the same stuff that an amateur rider might be who is also another business owner or a professional rider right it's all across there yeah yeah I mean trust me I you know when I miss it's it's tragic (laughs) like (laughs) everybody on deck you know what I mean like if I Jackie Chan through an oxer it ain't gonna be pretty but you know <laughs> we all have those those moments right oh, you know so you gotta have fun doing it so at least if I can capture people's you know interest make them feel good and you know um, enjoy their time on their horse like that's that's my day well job well done yes well congratulations because I think you're doing it and I have to say this has just been so much fun I knew this conversation would be fun and I have to say for a slightly selfish reason I really wanted you because I don't feel like I get to see you enough I don't get my hour with Artie so here you go I know I know (laughs) and with COVID it's so it's so different and and you know this year um I wasn't really at the Toronto shows so the couple times that you would have normally seen me, I wasn't around. Um, but we will definitely see each other. And of course, if you do make it to Florida, yes, I'm yes. in Ocala, Florida. The World Equestrian Center is there. Um, it is fantastic. Uh, Kelso and I give it two thumbs up, and <laughs> we are ready to show again. It's like Disney for horse people. That's, it's really fun. That's what I've heard. All right, my friends. So, where can people find you in Blueberry Hill? Well, I am actually counting down the days as we speak to head south because that's right, people. Winter is coming and Artie (laughs) does not like the white stuff on the floor. No, no, no. (laughs) So I will be heading down to Ocala, Florida uh, sometime beginning of December. Um, But no matter where I am, and this is really uh, cool and important for my listeners to know and clients and whatnot. No matter if I'm in Canada or the US, both sides work. So I have my Canadian side constantly drop shipping and doing stuff. So even if I'm physically not there, we have people that are working and drop shipping things. And so the whole idea and what's great about COVID, you don't need me in right in front of you you can call me text me and we'll get it done and you're gonna feel pizzazzy and ready for the ring nice well uh my executive producer will make sure that he puts in all of your information in the show notes so if people want to reach you via instagram or facebook or your, your new website looks great they can reach you there right thank you yes uh instagram facebook uh i i look pretty cool and put together and in real life I'm a hot mess but yes those are all of our best posts everything's there um and the best way to reach me is by text or email um just because I'm always on the road and dealing with clients so picking up phones and whatnot is not always simple all right well we will make sure you we put your email in there yeah that'll be awesome thank you Artie this has been awesome 
Thank you. And I'm so glad uh, we've learned how to do our Zoom thing. So now maybe we, you can see me like on reg. Yeah, that'd be fun. Have a little Zoom coffee moments. All right. Take care. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Happy holidays. Yes, you too. Bye. So there you have it. I have some great interviews lined up for future episodes, and we'll be covering some pretty interesting topics, as always, with the intent to open and engage the horse world on a wide variety of issues. So until next time, keep your eyes forward and continue to hit your stride. To stay current with Hitting Your Stride, subscribe on my website or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here today, make sure you share and leave a comment to help guide future episodes and widen the audience. And be sure to check out social media to keep up to date with Equestrian Elements Life Coaching.